You're listening to Innovating Smart, stories of sustainability for tomorrow's innovators. Explore all of our stories at innovatingsmart.org. What is smart? Smart is system savvy, managed intelligently, adaptive, regenerative, and trusted. These are our design principles for a sustainable world. Hi, my name is Natalie Forsyth. My background is in art and education, and I am currently dedicating my time and energy to advancing sustainable change. Today we are speaking with Catherine Cushing, the Sustainability Director at San Jose State University, who is creating a virtual water management tool that will allow individuals, companies, and cities to design more sustainable urban water systems. Hi, my name is Catherine Cushing. I'm the Director of Sustainability at San Jose State, and I'm also a faculty member in Environmental Studies. The innovative project that I'm working on is called EcoCloud. Um, EcoCloud is um, both a virtual and an online community project involving representatives from San Jose State, San Jose, um, sorry, San Jose State, Stanford University, the Santa Clara Valley Water District, um, environmental consultants, and kind of the organizing non-governmental organization, Sustainable Silicon Valley. And what we're working on is moving. Uh, company and government um, and industries in the Bay Area to think about um, creating more of an industrial ecosystem for resource use and waste management. And the specific piece of the project that I'm working on is uh, geared towards creating what we're calling a sim city uh, for creating a more sustainable urban water cycle. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Catherine. What was your inspiration for this idea? Well, um, I started working on this project about eight months ago, um, and I, uh, at, a, at a function, I met uh, Mariana Grossman, who is the Executive Director for Sustainable Silicon Valley, and she really wanted to convene a conversation around um, urban water use and how we could make it more sustainable for the Bay Area, Silicon Valley in particular. Great. Um, what do you see the value that it will potentially be created through this project? Um, well, I think all of us learned about the traditional hydrologic cycle as elementary school children. And we all remember these key phases of the cycle, which include precipitation, evaporation, condensation, infiltration, percolation, and all those other really good words. But what's been missing from that educational piece is how the human part of water use fits into that. We use a lot of water um, in the area. Uh, we are taking water out of streams, uh, we're using it for industrial or commercial purposes, we're treating it and then we're discharging it back to very sensitive um, receiving bodies of water such as bays and streams. And so um, our, our inspiration is, is trying to um, think more about a decentralized system for managing water. That is, getting organizations such as land use planning agencies and water planning agencies to think more about kind of completing a closed loop cycle for water use as opposed to kind of an input-output model that we've been following for the past several decades. Could you speak a little bit more about uh, how exactly the SimCity project will produce this outcome? Oh, yeah. So 
Some of you might be familiar with this game, SimCity, where you create a virtual world. Um, so you have people, and you have people working, and they have jobs, and they might be running a business and making money. So the idea behind this project is to create a SimCity for the urban water cycle that actually uses real data. So for example, you could be working on this SimCity project at um, a project level. So it might be a company like Intel figuring out how to um, design a water plan for making wafers. How, how much fresh water are they going to need? How much recycled water could they need? Could they reuse gray water on site? Do they want to have a rainwater harvesting system? So that would be kind of one example of how this virtual SimCity for regional water could work to benefit kind of a, a local user of water. But another way that we envision the project working is that because we're using real data that we could scale up the project. So it wouldn't just be something that a project manager could use. It would be something that we could scale up to the building level or to a campus level. To San Jose State, we have 88 acres on our campus. We could scale it up to the watershed. We could scale it up to a state level and these kinds of things. Um, data sets that are in use right now are currently often pretty old um, and they are often run on desktop computing systems so that systems don't talk to one another. And so kind of another innovative aspect of this project is that it would use the power of cloud computing and social networking to really increase the rate at which we can integrate real-time data into the system and make it useful for project planning. Great. Decentralization of the water system does seem to be a key aspect of increasing sustainability. Could you speak a little bit about what decentralization might look like and how your tool would uh, add benefit to this? Yeah, sure. Um, in this tool, um, our users could evaluate different scenarios for water planning. So for example, they could be given um, different levels of a water budget. Okay, and given that budget, they could decide how to allocate freshwater uses, recycled water uses, and gray water uses among a variety of applications that they might use water for, such as um, manufacturing wash water, or landscape irrigation, or construction, or toilet flushing. And so they could kind of run through different scenarios to see given different situations what might be the most economical way to allocate their water resources. And you can kind of imagine scaling this up at a municipal level. How could a city better plan how to use its water sources using this real data? Absolutely. How do the key technologies and processes work in the SimCity application? I don't know. I'm not sure yet. Still in the <laughs> we're, development we're phase. We're not sure yet. Um, I don't know if you just interviewed one person for this project, but a really good person to talk to about this would be Jeff Risberg, because he's been developing a lot of the kind of uh, website uh, infrastructure that would guide this. Um, mm -hmm. So we did talk about cloud computing, mm -hmm. so that we'd be using the power of cloud computing to kind of take the pressure off an individual desktop unit. Um, but since we're still in the conceptual phase, mm -hmm. that's a great question. I don't really know how to answer that. Um, and along with that, uh, so the end goal would be that individuals on the home scale or companies 
or cities would be able to use this uh, game-like tool in order to create actual plans. change, actual Ex plans. Exactly. So for example, a facilities manager would be able to decide whether or not they wanted to hook up to the recycled water system. Um, a uh, regional water planner would be able to use this to decide uh, where to allocate resources for their climate change plan um, mm -hmm. that has to be uh, you know, looking forward 20, 30, 40, 50 years. So they would be able to use real data and evaluate different scenarios so that they could make the right decisions. Mm -hmm. um, water is so scarce in California that, especially here, we really need to think carefully about how we're using this resource. Um, recent reports indicate that by 2050, the Sierra Nevada snowpack, where we get 55% of our water, uh, will, will diminish by 25 to 40%. So, these are really real problems that we're facing. And so we hope that this tool, which will be a collaboration between you know, various universities and industry partners and NGOs, will be one of the ways that we can address uh, climate change impacts. Absolutely, it's really quite fascinating and very apparent how uh, the aggregation of disparate data is a key component in making this work. Uh, do you see, do you have the avenues that you need in order to put together all of that different information? Um, I think we, we are beginning to understand who the players are. Um, so for example, uh, we've been in meetings with the Department of Water Resources, which puts out the uh, state water plan um, mm -hmm. every five years um, to see what kinds of systems they're using. Uh, we've also been talking to the Stockholm Environmental Institute, which developed kind of the desktop mm -hmm. system um, that the state of California uses for its water scenario planning right now. And um, we're also working with some regional agencies, um, the city of San Jose and the Santa Clara Valley Water District, um, to talk to them about the data that they have and then kind of the ideal world, the data that they'd like to have that they could use for better climate change planning. So this is clearly uh, quite an interdisciplinary team, and in order to make this project work, it's going to take a lot of different moving parts and a lot of different people with expertise to make it happen. Um, how do you see building those uh, alliances as a benefit to the pushing forward of sustainable change? Yeah, well, I think uh, when we started this process eight months ago, it was a lot of people interested in the idea of what we call, you know, our end goal is really creating a sustainable urban water cycle. Um, and for two months, we actually talked about what we individually, you know, I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And we kind of kept on having the same meeting, maybe three or four times. And I, and I could tell that people were getting a little bit frustrated. But more recently, we've moved from the I to the we, which has really been... Um, gratifying uh, to see, but I think it takes initially getting people that are interested in a particular cause together in the room for a while, um, just talking about what they're doing to see how we can move forward. The, the interesting thing about this program is that it is really all volunteer, so people are donating their time to work on the effort, and that's what I find um, really admirable, that we're not getting paid to do this, we're doing this because we think it's the right thing to do, um, but it also makes it a little challenging in that people are coming and going at different times, and you're not really sure how you can sustain an effort without getting some significant funding. Absolutely. So clearly everyone involved must really feel a, a sense of mission about the project, that it's right. a key component to... 
I think I think we all agree that's a really important thing to do. It's just carving time out of your previous commitments to figure out how you can work together on it. And ultimately, you know, somebody has to take the lead on it. And I think we're still trying to figure out you know, who, who's going to take the lead. Right. It seems like quite a large project. And it is a big project. Sometimes it perhaps seems impossible to actually put all the key components together. How do you think you, uh, what are the tools that you still need to push it through to make uh, the project happen? Um, well, this sounds very trite, um, but we do need project funding. <laughs> As no, I said before, um, it's all volunteer. We probably have a core team of about five to seven individuals and then other people that kind of come in and out, another six or seven people that come in and out. So it's you know, 12 to 15 people are uh, fairly involved in the process. Um, but right now it's really being driven thankfully, by Sustainable Silicon Valley. Um, they were the ones that came up with this idea and they've been facilitating these meetings, but it's gotten to the point where we really need to have some significant funding so we can invest in resources to figure out what existing simulation models, scenario planning tools are already in existence, what their weaknesses are, whether or not they use cloud computing, and how the technologies behind cloud computing can be used to kind of sync up everybody's data. Mm -hmm. um, the other weakness that we found was um, the graphical user interface for a lot of these tools is really very weak. So you have to basically you know, be trained with a master's or a PhD in hydrology to understand how these models work. And we don't think that's the way it should be in the future, that really these tools should be accessible to a project manager or an interested student should be able to, you know, basically be able to run some of these tools and see how the scenarios play out. So what is the ultimate win that you're trying to achieve? Well, I think the ultimate win is a closed loop cycle for urban water use in the area. Uh, we used to have these amazing tidal wetlands in the bay, but because we're discharging millions of gallons of treated wastewater a day into the bay, uh, that's not really the case anymore. We've lost over 90% of our traditional wetlands, and that, I think, is really a shame from an environmental perspective. Um, additionally, because there's just not going to be enough water around anymore for us to use due to climate change and land use development practices, we really have to conserve every drop. And that means not relying so much on you know traditionally fresh water supplies, um, but we really have to think more about investing resources in recycled water, Grain, gray water use and rainwater harvesting. Um, you know, we like to think of our sources of water as you know fresh or pristine, but if you think about it, I mean, every drop of water that we flush down the toilet or that we put in our mouths has been recycled in some way. So a lot of it has to do with public education. Absolutely. Um, what has been your personal journey through learning and trying to achieve this SimCity? Oh, my personal journey. Wow, that's a good question. Um, I think that one of the best um, experiences that I've gotten out of participating in EcoCloud is realizing that there are other professionals that have different disciplinary skills that are interested in the same end goal as me and learning how to talk to them about what I'm working on um, has been a skill that I've developed over this, uh, over this process. For example, I didn't, never knew how to talk to a web developer before. I just really, it was a foreign world to me. I work on kind of water policy implementation. So that's, uh, that's been uh, really, really uh, gratifying for me. And also, um, 
Now, I'm working more on policy, and some of my colleagues from Stanford are working more on the wastewater engineering treatment side of that. And so that's been very gratifying to understand how they, they see the world. And then also, um, another one of our partners, that one is kind of the wastewater treatment provider, and the other is the wholesale water provider. So to see mm. their the different perspectives that they're coming from, and before they were totally separate entities, but to see how they realize that they have to indeed come closer together to close the loop has been a really, really um illuminating and a great learning experience. So I see how water is naturally in a closed loop cycle. Mm -hmm. Very interesting to think about how in order to make human water a closed yeah. loop cycle, it requires closing the loop amongst all the different exactly. collaborative forces right. that influence water from uh, its ingestion to its processing. Exactly. Um, that's, that's really interesting. Uh, what what has been your greatest challenge? You've spoken to a couple different things, mm -hmm. uh, but as far as your own process with this is, I mean, your time, your energy. Sure. Um, it's, um, it's a topic that I think really speaks to, you know, a, a great solution for some of the dilemmas that we find ourselves in. But finding the time that it deserves uh, to work on it, uh, given other responsibilities. I'm also the sustainability director, so I'm working on this energy audit program. I'm also crafting policy for the university and planning a transition to kind of a more institutionalized structure for managing um, environmental issues on campus. So managing to find time to work on this issue has definitely uh, been a challenge. And also getting people to move forward. Um, when we're not really sure what the initial concept is has mm -hmm. been also a challenge. Mm -hmm. But it's all, it's all good conversations. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, would you mind speaking to us for a few minutes about the, the project you're doing on campus with the energy auditing? Oh, uh, sure. So today uh, we actually kicked off our Green Wave program, which is an energy auditing program. Uh, we're training 75 students, uh, undergraduate and graduate, to perform residential, office, and dorm room audits uh, with the goal of uh, reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the residential portion by a thousand pounds of CO2 equivalent per year. We're hoping to do 200 audits by the end of June 2011. That's great. And uh, how are you implementing this program? Uh, so this program is a joint effort between San Jose State, an environmental group in Palo Alto called Actera, and the city of San Jose. Um, in 2007, the city of San Jose adopted a green vision, um, and it includes 10 goals, uh, two of which are relevant to our program. So one is the reduction of per capita energy use by 50% by the year 2020. And the other is the creation of 25,000 clean tech jobs. So by assisting the city in carrying out this program, we're actually helping them meet uh, two of their green vision goals. And we are also partnering with Actera because they developed a curriculum for conducting residential audits in 2007. So I think they've conducted over 600 audits in five Bay Area cities since then, but none have been as big as San Jose, maybe 50,000, a population of 50,000. So this is a very ambitious um, mm -hmm. goal is to actually implement a residential uh, energy efficiency audit program for a city as large as San Jose, which is about a million people. So it's uh, 
quite it's a vicious endeavor. Yeah, <laughs> quite significant. Well, very interesting the way uh, the student population is able to help in this process. Uh, what have you seen as far as enthusiasm from the students or? or people excited about the project? Oh, yes. Um, actually, uh, when the president gave his fall address uh, this August, we actually had a row of people that did the wave. Our project is called <laughs> green the wave. Green Wave. And so they did the green wave for us to demonstrate their enthusiasm. And um, we've had students from majors all over campus, from radio, TV, film, to communication studies to meteorology wanting to take the class so it's been really gratifying to see students from many different disciplines become interested in addressing climate change because I think five to ten years ago that really wouldn't have happened it really would have been um, environmental studies sure. students and maybe some biology students so I, I think um, a lot of the education that's gone on in kind of the mainstream media has really affected um, a lot of our students. Um, so there's been great interest. And then our volunteers, we have about 10 to 12 student volunteers that are working part or full-time on the effort. And they're downstairs right now um, helping us with a variety of tasks. That, that sounds like a really great project. Uh, and absolutely true how the student body has been influenced uh, I think they've by, been energized yeah um, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with um, the inconvenient truth mm -hmm. um, so post inconvenient truth I find that many many more students are knowledgeable at a general level about climate change than they were five mm -hmm. years ago so that's been a really important um, uh, effort that has changed literally changed the minds of our students and so wonderful that you have this program that gives them actual tools to make an actual difference in right, energy. Right, to feel like they're doing something. Because I know when I was in school, I went to class a lot and I sat on my bottom a lot. And I mean, I learned a lot in my head, but I wasn't doing that mm -hmm. much. And I think for our student body, they really like to be active and they want to feel like they're helping the community. So this gives them an opportunity to do that. Absolutely, that's great. Uh, do you have any wisdom that you might like to impart to the young professional as uh, how they might approach sustainability regardless of their field? Oh, uh, well, I think um, because sustainability is such a broad term, um, one way that I use to explain it to people is kind of the three E's of sustainability. So that's environmental protection and enhancement economic development and social equity. So I would really encourage students to kind of get a broad education in those disciplines that are related to sustainability in those three areas. So you can speak not only to, say, the economic benefits of energy conservation, but you also know some of the technical details behind it, and also how perhaps energy conservation might help mitigate the impacts of climate change and what impacts climate change might have on, say, wildlife. Um, um, and then the third aspect, or the third E of sustainability is social equity, and also to understand how topics like um, environmental justice might come into play with regards to sustainability. For example, in e-waste, um, a lot of the people that are working on recovering usable materials from the iPhones and the iPads and the iPods that we discard of so readily are actually working in these really horrid conditions and getting exposed to lots of toxic materials. And so to kind of think about that, that's all part of sustainability. And I think um, the way our educational system is set up, it's very uh, like focused on a single discipline. And I think to 
best prepare yourself for working in the field, you really have to ground yourselves in all three E's of sustainability, which might seem daunting, but you'll actually become a much better thinker because of it. So that's kind of one piece of advice I would give them. And the other thing is I, I wouldn't worry so much about the money because if you're really doing what you love, you know, people will recognize that and you'll be adequately compensated. So I know that's sometimes a concern of some of my students. They feel like, am I going to be working for $15,000 a year you know, for the rest of my life? So I just want to tell you guys that, <laughs> that that's not going to happen. Absolutely. Do you have any questions that you might encourage us to ponder around sustainability? And I think uh, one of the key take-home points that I got from listening to one of our guest lectures today about, you know, what is the status of climate change right now? How dire are the consequences? And it just emphasized to me that more action is needed at a faster pace. And I still feel like we, there are people that are working on these issues, but we're not doing enough and it's not happening fast enough. So I still feel like it's a very small percentage of the population that's actively engaged in providing solutions to these issues, maybe five, 10% of the population. So, you know, my question for you would be, how do we get those extra, that 85% of the population to really care enough about an issue to take action? Because that's really where our challenge lies. We can talk to ourselves all day, and we can conserve energy, but if the rest of the world isn't doing it, then we really can't make the difference that we want to make. So I think that's kind of my question to you is how, how do we move the rest of society in the direction that we want them to go? And what a great question it is. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Catherine, thank you so much for your time. Well, really thank you, Natalie. It. It's been great. Thanks to Catherine Cushing for talking with us today. Visit EcoCloud at ecocloud1.ning.com. That's the number one. And click on the water picture. I am Natalie Forsyth. This story was produced by myself and by Alex Kawashima and Christopher Gonzalez and directed by Sue Liebeck. Music courtesy of Triplexity, with support from Sustainivation, Business for the World We Share, Silicon Valley Innovation Associates, and Starnet, harnessing the power of partnership. This has been Innovating Smart, bringing you stories of sustainability for tomorrow's innovators. Explore all of our stories at innovatingsmart.org.